0: Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast Energized by Celsius Scott It is Therapeutic Monday here on the Peter Report podcast, after back-to-back Bucks losses for the first time all season, twenty-seven to twenty-four each of the last two weeks, this most recent one at the hands of the World Champion Kansas City Chiefs. Who, um, yep, they kind of looked like they might be headed back there. Scott <laughs> Tony Romo yeah. at the end of the broadcast, he said, "You know, I, I'm not saying I bet on it, but wouldn't surprise me, Jim, if these two quarterbacks are meeting again in Tampa Bay in two months." And I said, "Wow." Because the Chiefs look like they're going to be there. The Bucs look like they have some work to do. So we've got a lot to talk about on this show today, Scott, about the offense, the defense, and most importantly, getting to all these fans' questions. Yeah, exactly.
1: And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is we talked about it, uh, you know, last night in terms of, of these slow starts for the Buccaneers. And, um, you know, maybe they should grab a Celsius, John, before before <laughs> kickoff, right? They were down oh, 17-0. And and uh, Bruce Arians talked about, them having to adjust to the speed of the game Mm -hmm. and uh and maybe that'll do the trick but what do you say john
0: oh yeah i mean it's it's absolutely imperative that you grab one of these scott it's a therapeutic monday and you need something to help get you through the week and through through the the these little uh those little drag times after a late night like we had last night uh, on the podcast and then doing our work and getting our content up after it and so we're we're pumped that all the content on today's podcast is once again brought to you by our friends over at celsius got a new flavor today scott
1: peach i see that yeah peach i I haven't (laughs) tried that one yet i had to go with my good old standby my favorite uh, the orange sparkling and uh you know celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy and uh, the great thing john is is i talked about last night is i tried the cola flavor which was really good first time i'd ever tried it and um and, you know, I've, I've had a couple of, of emails from people. Uh, how can I order Celsius? Well, the great thing is we made it super easy. Go to pewterreports.com. Click on those Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon where today it's Cyber Monday. So you probably right. get those Celsius if you follow that link from pewterreports.com uh, through uh, the website to Amazon. You can probably cash in on some of those Cyber Monday deals for Celsius. And uh, they're, they're going to send you... Um, packs big cases like this that come in, mm-hmm. in several different flavors, and when you do that, you save money because you're yeah. buying in bulk. And so, if, if you found a flavor that you like, then you know, buy a case of that. Uh, they also have got a sampler pack that allows you to try uh, a whole host of flavors and find out yeah. which ones you like best. So, so check out uh Amazon's Cyber Monday by, by going through the website, clicking on those Celsius banners.
0: I drank that jackfruit uh, um Celsius heat last night live mm-hmm. on the show I was drinking it people saw it and they yep. know it's a pre-workout it's one of the pre-workout Celsius drinks and they were like what is this clown doing this is the <laughs> this is the caffeine virgin guy who doesn't who doesn't right. drink any of this stuff but he's pounding or pounding Pre-workout energy drink at 9.30 at night. Yeah, podcast running to, you know, 30, 10.40 or whatever it was last yep. night. Well, let me tell you, I was up for about two more hours, but I felt pretty exhausted during the whole time. And <laughs> then I slept like a baby. So, it, yep. you know, it was so it was great. Uh, and I woke up feeling fine. And so this peach vibe, I'm hoping it gets me to the next level today. Uh, it tastes great, actually. I wasn't sure what to expect, but it's, I think I like it even more than the jackfruit right now, um, yeah. and both of them have been very, very pleasant surprises for me as a, as a, as a non-soda, non-caffeine drinker, uh, wow. so we're excited. We're moving in the right direction, Scott. Absolutely, and I needed this this orange Celsius today just because I
1: was dragging uh, <laughs> after last night's coverage, staying up doing the, the two-point conversion column, uh, then having to wake up early, get the kids off to school after Thanksgiving break, so right. uh, for that... Afternoon pick me up. Celsius really delivered for me today. So John, let's deliver for these Buccaneer fans. Uh, it we got is, a lot to talk about. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. I just got through watching the the TV broadcast. I heard all of the the Tony Romo critiques, suggestions, um, mm-hmm. you know, points of of topic as it regards to uh, Tom Brady's fit in this Bruce Arians offense. And uh, you know, the the one thing I'll start with, John, is is uh, I, I you know I didn't have any illusions. That this was going to be a Super Bowl team in Tampa Bay this year. I, I predicted ten and six. I thought they would be the runners up in the NFC South division. Looks mm-hmm. like that's definitely going to be the case, especially them getting swept by the Saints. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had every prediction correct in my original preseason predictions except for two. I said they would beat the Rams, they'd lose to the Packers. They did the exact opposite of that, but I had them losing to the Chiefs, and it was a short week—twelve straight weeks of football. Um, this, this Buccaneer team at 7-5 is right where I expected them to be. And, and, and I think I'm going to have to agree with Bruce Arians when he said last night that the, that the one surprise has been maybe the defense not playing as well as he thought it would at this stage of the game. Certainly when you have, John, a new quarterback in Tom Brady, new weapons in Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, uh, um, uh, Antonio Brown, it's going to take some time to gel without a preseason, with the truncated training camp, with no official offseason program outside of Brady gathering a bunch of guys together and working at Berkeley Prep for a couple mm-hmm. afternoons and mornings. Uh, the offense it was going to be a work in progress. They brought everybody back on defense. They added Antoine Winfield to the mix, and and I, I'm with with uh, with Bruce Herons. I thought this defense would be further along than it is right now in terms of clamping down. On uh, on receivers, not allowing these four hundred yard passing days like we saw yesterday at Raymond James Stadium.
0: Well, what's so bad about it, Scott, is that really lately, it's the ball's not even hitting the ground. I mean, there's there's no resistance for opposing quarterbacks. Um, yeah. They see the the Bucks pressures coming early. They're getting the ball out earlier. The underneath coverage has been so poor. I mean, they've barely touched the ball. They're not contesting any of the easy stuff. And then lately they've started to give up tons of long balls too. I mean, so it's, there's nothing this past defense is doing well, not in the middle of the field, not on the outside. You know, we've all said more press man, more press man, and they haven't done it enough to get really good at it, I think, which is part of the problem. But when they've gone to it in games, it's only worked here and there. I mean, it's definitely a better option for them, but I'm just trying to be fair in the way that I've said Todd Bulls, you know, dude, you like you don't know what you're doing this season. And I I think I've probably been one of the few people that's really critical of Todd Bowles this season and and thought that you know he, there were some real issues with this Bucks defense, even mm-hmm. from semi early in the season. But you know, the it, it's not totally on him either because some of these players have not played very well. I mean, you can't really defend the play of Sean Murphy Bunting anymore. Like he is just yeah really not very good at all and you know we we don't want to label bust too early in the process yeah. ever but it's hard to see any way that Sean Murphy Bunting is like a desirable starter for this team going into year three which at that point I think would probably make him you know bust I mean he's probably a guy that you're not going to want to have out there that'll be competing I would say probably yeah. for a roster spot going in the next season so it is one of those things that there's there's kind of levels to it but defensively it is hard to to see where this team turns around. We said that on the podcast yesterday. I know everybody wants to talk to, about the offense, and we've got plenty to talk about, and we've got plenty of questions to answer, and we're going to have unbelievable guests on the show uh, over the next yeah. two shows. Mark Schofield is coming on on Wednesday, uh, 4 p.m. live. He's coming on. If you don't know Mark, he's unbelievable on Twitter, breaks down quarterback play all around the league, but he's also a Patriots guy, so he's watched Tom Brady through Brady's entire career, and he was a former quarterback and so he can, he knows the position very well. He's very articulate in how he will under will understand and articulate what Brady's seeing, why he's seeing it, what the potential complications could be in a marriage with Arians' offense. Um and then Greg Cosell, the great Greg Cosell yeah. will be on on Thursday to break down Bruce Arians' offense and the receivers and and Brady within the midst of that. So we're going to hit this topic heavy and hard over the next couple of days. Um so you'll get plenty of insight on it Scott, but on the defensive side of things right now, you know, I, I think the offense is showing these flashes in every game and some games have just totally dominated and it's just, you know, the Panthers game comes to mind. And so it's just kind of, but even in, in, I mean, like Aaron said, it comes down to those three drives yesterday where they're moving the ball and they're deep in chiefs territory and then one play. And it just seems like, you know, that throws everything off and it, it yeah. can't overcome those things consistently right now. And so it is kind of a sporadic effort from the Bucks offense right now, but the flashes are there right. to know, that this group can be really good if they get it together.
1: Yeah, and and the thing too is when, when you're looking at at uh, at this zone coverage that that the the Bucks have deployed really for most of the year, John, they've not been playing nearly as much man, and certainly not mm-hmm. as much press man as you would think, given the fact that Jamel Dean, who wasn't out there yesterday, but Sean Murphy, Bunting, and Carlton Davis certainly uh, are are more than capable of playing it. I think I think that's mm-hmm. probably their their strong suit, being physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, but. Against speed receivers like Kansas City has Tyreek Hill, Demarcus Robinson, um, Sammy Watkins, uh, Nicole Hardman. Those guys with their speed can can get into those open spots in zone coverage so quickly. Travis Kelsey the same way at tight end. And so it's mm-hmm. like it just seemed to me that that they, they got to their landmark so quickly in that zone coverage. They knew exactly where to go, and they nestled down, presented themselves as targets. Yep. And, you know, and then it was like the Bucks. all they could do is just make the tackle. They didn't, I mean, aside from a couple of, of pass breakups, they weren't anywhere close to that. It was, it was watching right. the receivers catch the ball and then, you know, making the tackle. And, and, and the, the problem is when you do that, that's not an aggressive attacking style. That's, that's read and react style defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that this defense showed what it does best in the, its best performance this year outside of the first quarter. Was against the Green Bay Packers when they were yeah. aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Uh, they were aggressive in terms of their coverages, in terms of their their blitzes, in terms of their four man rushes. And I thought yesterday, reviewing the tape as I just did before I came on the show, I thought, I thought the defensive line did a really good job of pressuring Mahomes uh, mm-hmm. with with four and and also when when they brought pressure at times. I thought Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre Paul mm-hmm. had just as good of a day as I thought they did last night when I was watching the game live. You know, with those guys flipping spots, I want to see Shaq Barrett stay on the right side, and I want to see Jason Pierre-Paul stay on the left side because I just think that Shaq Barrett matches up better as a blindside rusher uh, coming off of of a, a single block with the left tackle, and um, and I think Jason Pierre-Paul has better bigger size and and longer arms where he can really uh, stack up better against right tackles than Shaq Barrett. Yep. I thought there was times where Shaq Barrett has been consumed. By bigger right tackles and engulfed, and I think that Jason Pierre-Paul, with his long limbs and his power and and quickness, can negate the right tackles easier.
0: Yeah, I mean it's there's a lot to unpack with this defense. I mean, you talk about the pressure, and I think it's that's basically the key. If they can get pressure with four, and they did it pretty well against Kansas City, honestly, especially as the game went on, and if they can do that with that well against quarterbacks who aren't as good as Patrick Mahomes, I think they'll, that's the really the only way that this defense. Kind of rectifies things this season. I mean, if not for that, that it would have been ugly again the other night. Um, yeah, uh, yesterday, and so you know it would have been uglier than than the score was. And so uh, I think that's the key. I, I don't know how much changes coverage wise right now um, for Todd Bowles' unit. I don't know how much he's going to be able to change. Um, he kind of had a bad approach to the whole season, and it's just kind of been unraveling more and more each and every week. One thing I'll also say, Scott, is that I went back to the tape because something you don't notice because they're off screen a lot of the time when you're watching live, but mm-hmm. For the first three drives of the game, for some reason that only God could possibly understand, Scott, Todd Bowles just rolled out of defense with a single high safety and played Jordan Whitehead down in the box. Didn't matter what the Chiefs were doing personnel. They could be in 11 personnel. They could spread the field. They could go empty. And he was having Jordan Whitehead play down and Antoine Winfield playing high as the high safety and leaving guys one-on-one on on the outside. It was absolute craziness to me. And And the Chiefs didn't do anything in the middle of the field. So yeah, everybody and, and, wants to see, oh, Antoine and, Winfield make a play, but he's not even he's not even in the area code to make any plays. There was nothing yeah. there. And and
1: I thought the the Buck safeties really let the team down yesterday. I mean, they needed to to wear uh, a cape and be superheroes, not sidekicks. And I just thought that the safety play was was average at best, probably below average. Um, if I go back and look at the all
0: twenty uh, two. But I think that's part of the scheme too, though. I don't think Todd Bowles put him in position to succeed. Like I said, Antoine Winfield's yeah, playing single high I mean. in the middle of the yeah. field, and yeah, and it wasn't so much the
1: player's fault as it was yeah. the scheme. And right. uh, and I just I thought that this was a game where you you really have to play you know too high, uh, and to. and not let the safeties uh, you know beat you. And and listen, I trust your linebackers, trust your defensive line to stop the run. You don't have to bring an extra safety up. And I know that he liked to. To match uh, Kelsey on on Whitehead, um, you know, and 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 okay, that's fine. Then then you know, have have him there and go to more of like a dime look, and uh, you know, and and have uh, Edwards and Winfield back deep uh, as 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 a better option, I guess. But yeah, uh, going single high and and not having the safety help over the top too many times cost them.
0: Right. I mean, look at the way the best defenses have played the Colts this season. The Raiders are way worse defensively than the box, but Chiefs. the way they are. The, yeah, the or the, I was going to say the Raiders are, but the Raiders yeah. played the Chiefs tough both times because they took away a lot of the big plays. And so the Chiefs had to kind of string things together and Mahomes held right. the ball longer than he normally does. And because of that, you know, it wasn't there wasn't the easy the shots down the field to take. So they had to string things together a lot more. And they did, obviously, and they scored points. And that's always going to happen with the Chiefs. Um, but there were uh, there was effective strategies that those teams have used against the Chiefs and the Bucs just kind of tossed those out like you know yeah. it was just kind of like nope we're going to continue to run a strong a heavy single high defense which again like I just think there's so many studies showing us right now that especially when you stop the run as well as the Bucs stop the run you don't need a safety playing down in the box just stop right. the run and if you don't who cares the Chiefs literally go into games and they say we don't even care that much about stopping the run if you want to run on us great but at the end of the day you're going to have to pass we're going to take away big plays from you and they didn't even do that well in this game by the way yeah. clarify that because they because they brady beat a couple of their cover zero blitzes but that's kind of the strategy it's like we're going to force you into a mistake at some point and our offense just won't miss and that has to, at some point the bucks have to develop that type of of strategy mm-hmm. defensively they're way better at stopping the run fundamentally than the mm-hmm. chiefs are they can do it without jordan whitehead without a safety in the box you have to start playing more two highs even in early downs the chiefs are passing like 69 percent of the time on early downs or on first downs right now yeah. something crazy which is by the way mark will get to you later with the box that the box are horrible at but they're doing it <laughs> because everybody's playing with a safety down early against them no matter i mean the Bucks are playing with a safety down early against the Chiefs. No matter what personnel package the, yeah, no the Chiefs are, no reason they're just saying we're going to throw it on first down because yeah. you don't have anybody deep. So it was just too easy for the Chiefs and Todd Bowles again. I just feel like. He's just getting really out coached this season, Scott. Like I'm not sure. I love I like Bull as a person. I, I, I do know too. everybody thinks he's a great defensive coordinator. Right. But and, and you know you what? Know. I
1: think he he made the right adjustments, but against good teams, being down 17 nothing, it just it's too much to overcome.
0: Right. And, he does, and, it, and the adjustments are fine. You're right. But yeah, when he, the, the, the way he comes out, is just yeah, it's
1: I just would like to see and and, and again, uh the, the, this is an approach that you can have at any level, whether it's uh NFL, college, high school, Pop Warner, where I was a Pop Warner defensive coordinator for a couple of years. And I like to be aggressive and set the tone defensively. Come out and not read and react, but be aggressive and and dictate the terms of of what you want to do. And there's mm. some instances where he did that. I, I, thought, I thought he did that very well against the Broncos. Now, granted, they had Jeff Driscoll, a like quarterback. You know, a little bit of a difference between Jeff Driscoll and Patrick Mahomes. I get that. But at the yeah. same time, though, it's a mentality. And it should be a mentality regardless of who you're playing. And that's right. that's what I mean. It's like uh, you need to establish an identity. Like what is this defense going to be? Is it going to be aggressive? Is it going to be passive? Because it starts off passive too much. And then it slowly drifts towards aggressive. And guess what? They get favorable results. So why not flip the script and start off aggressive, right? I mean, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to give up some big plays. You've already done that being passive. When I try being aggressive out of the get-go, with some press man, with with some some blitzes, and uh, and see what happens, because I guarantee you, uh, that remember that was the storyline, John, to that Packers mm-hmm. game, right? Yep. They kind of came out, and they were being too passive, you know. Bulls lights into them, be aggressive, go make some plays, and all of a sudden an avalanche of plays. J- Jamel Dean, you know, pick six, and, and and off to the races they go, thirty-eight straight points. So um, I I would like to see. Uh, a better uh, uh, aggressive approach from bulls early on where he should dictate the terms of the game to the opposing offense, not read and react to what they're doing necessarily. Yeah, for sure. Playing it safe.
0: Right. Man, this defense, I feel like we could discuss it for so long because but at the same time we've been saying the same things for weeks it's like oh, different yeah. things with the offense like right th- like today right. we have we talk about the fact that they didn't handle pressure very well in some cer- certain mm-hmm. situations and that the hot routes weren't there and you know the use of play action in this game was way down other games it's been other things you know the saints it was like we can't get 28 points in one play like stop throwing all verticals we talked about right. drops we talked about penalties defensively it just seems like we talk about the same stuff all the time and, and there were certainly more wrinkles in this one just because of how dynamic the chiefs were uh, John, but i do years cuz we do have- yeah, I went, go ahead. I,
1: I'm I'm seeing something here. I'm just scrolling through some of the comments as you're talking, and and this is kind of what I wrote about on Thanksgiving. Like like, be thankful that, that this Buccaneer team is is a good football team. They're yeah. going to make the playoffs this year, right? They're they're going to get the ten wins, um, hopefully eleven. You know, for the for the okay. Buccaneers. Um, but I, I love the heightened expectations. It's been a minute, John. Since, since <laughs> Buccaneer fans are pissed off. You know, fire the coach at seven and five, right? I mean, like they're they're staring at a postseason playoff berth unless this team catches COVID collectively, right. or there's some serious injuries, or 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 they just stub their toe. But I don't see it happening. The Buccaneers have beaten good football teams this year. Uh, I, I take that back. Have beaten mediocre football teams. They struggled against the better teams,
0: against the mediocre well, Packers teams. Raiders. Yeah yeah but
1: i'm I'm just saying like the, the, you know it wasn't pretty, but they beat the giants, they swept the panthers right so there's there, there's there's some wins there that, that are coming up in December, but it's like fire Arians, um <laughs> get new coaches, you know they're not satisfied with seven and five and I'll tell you um it, it's it's been like I said it's been a minute since i've I've felt this type of of expectations from Bucks fans because mm-hmm. this is the type of expectations that I grew up with. In my early days of covering this team, once Tony Dungy got here and they made the playoffs in 97, you know, expectations through the roof under the John Gruden years, too. So it's great to see. At the same time, though, Buck fans, pump the brakes a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not a Super Bowl team this year. I've never said they're a Super Bowl team. I know that some of the national media people, even Tony Romo said that. This team's not going to the Super Bowl. Just get it through your heads. It's not meant to be this year. Okay, Man,
0: I'm not, I'm not ready to get there yet, Scott. But I hear happening. you. Right now, I'd not agree happening. with you, but
1: and I'm, just I'm being not realistic. saying that like, it I'm can happen. I'm not trying to be a like
0: pessimistic
1: you're... or a negative, Nancy. I'm, not tr- I'm just trying to set some realistic expectations. And if I'm wrong, great, right? If, if Scott Reynolds is wrong, fantastic. Love to be wrong for you, Buccaneer fans' sake. But the goal this year is to become a playoff team, to get into the postseason, maybe win, win a game or, or two. I mean, obviously, the goal is to win the whole damn thing. I'm ta- not talking about mm-hmm. the team's goal. I'm talking about their realistic expectations for the fans. Get back to the playoffs. Somewhere you haven't been in a dozen years, right? right. Okay, well, that's happening, all right? And we all know whether it was Carson Palmer, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Jameis Winston. The quarterbacks can throw a lot of interceptions the first season. And then some of the kinks get worked out in year two, and I think that's going to happen next year. So pump the brakes on the fire Arians uh, train and, and let's just let the season play out. Right. Yeah. And if this team does underwhelm and, and miss the playoffs at nine and seven or something, then bring the heat and, and get the, you know, the, the, the torches and the pitchforks. That's fine. I get it. But yeah. right now seven and five, it's not really cause for alarm. I, I thought this team would be exactly where they are right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think some of what you're saying is right. I mean, I wouldn't freak out either. And, you know, you can say fire Arians all you want, but, like, we all we need to be realistic. Like, Arians is not getting fired, you know? Listen, if this right. team loses their last four games against bad teams, I mean, it's probably not going to happen even then, but like, that's the only scenario. So if you don't think that's going to happen, I just, I don't know why we're really talking about You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you you can want something all you want, but the reality is at the end of the day, like Bruce Arians is the head coach and he's going to be the head coach next season. And that's who Brady's probably going to finish his career with as head coach. So we just need to figure out what needs to be better. You know, since 1995
1: and they wanted to get back to the playoffs. They want to get back to the postseason, and, and, if Bruce, if Bruce Arians gets this team to the playoffs, they're not going to fire him. It's not going to happen. Uh, the only way it's going to happen is if there was some serious rift between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, and I, I don't think that there's a serious rift. I think this is just no. growing pains.
0: Right. Uh, but if it's a exactly. serious
1: rift, then maybe, and we'll see. We'll tackle that in the off season, But right, but uh, Arians and- isn't
0: going anywhere. And as negative as we sound sometimes, like there is growth with the group. Like, look at even some of the concepts that they ran yesterday. I mean, we've seen them as the season's gone on mix in other concepts. Yes, Arians gets very impatient and goes back to a ton of shot plays too often in the game. There are still things that need to change. He is not consistent with an approach that. Is more high percentage uh, for the yeah. quarterback. But we've seen, I mean, Mike Renner for Pro Football Focus just wrote a great piece. Every Bucks fan should go over to Pro Football Focus and hopefully you have a subscription because their stuff is unbelievable. Yes. And, uh, I just and read he it wrote great. Yeah, he piece. just wrote a great piece. Yeah, talking about the, diff- the difficulties right now in Bruce Arians' offense. And he compared it even to pass offenses that Bruce Arians is running. This Bucks offense is still yeah. putting up points like. Brady's been, he's cr- way better in turnovers. I was just looking at Jameis's stats from last year, not to compare Brady and Jameis because that's ridiculous. There's right. not a comparison, but to get an idea of kind of like where the Bucks are at. Jameis took 47 sacks last year. Like, yeah. Brady's taking 16. That's, fans don't even understand how big of a deal that is. Like, Brady took one sack yesterday against a defense that blitzed all game because right. he processed and got the ball out. Like, Brady's thrown 11 picks and a couple of those haven't even been his fault. I mean, James threw 30 picks. How many times he fumbled? Brady has one lost fumble this yeah. season. It was Rojo's fault when he stuck right. the ball in Rojo's belly and Rojo dropped it in mm-hmm. week two or whatever. Like we're we're talking about a team that is. I mean, red zone. Look at the Bucks in the red zone this year. Yeah. Like they've had like three goal to go opportunities where they had to settle for field goals. Like I mean, this is a team that has scored consistently in the red zone you know the, when they've used play action Brady's mm-hmm. been unbelievable at it like there are so many positives that are oh, show yeah. growth from this year from to this year from last year and fans and, just you know are are talking all about like oh the passing yards aren't as high well the passing yards aren't as high because they're not getting killed every game like they well, were right yeah they, they so, don't have to, yeah. you know they're,
1: they're not they're, they're not in a position where they, they have to to throw the ball for all four quarters they kind of did yesterday but yeah. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. Brady is on pace for 4,400 yards. And, okay, it's not 5,100 yards, but what did 5,100 yards get the Buccaneers last year? It got two receivers in the Pro Bowl and seven and nine. And right now, Brady's on pace to throw for 37 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Okay, last year, Winston threw 33 touchdowns, so that's four more, and 30 interceptions, 16 more interceptions then Brady's on pace to 3 4 And you factor in the three touchdowns Brady has rushing, and he might get another one or two. Then you're at 40 touchdowns combined for Tom Brady, which is a mm-hmm. franchise record. And here's another thing, too. You're throwing out some good stats, John. <clears throat> Tom Brady has been sacked 16 times this year. Jameis right. Winston was sacked 47 times last year. And the coaches, I'm not going to name who, but uh, one of my sources told me, that Winston accounted for 15 of those by hanging on to the ball too long. So and that's
0: probably being nice because yeah. most yeah, that's probably being nice because pressure is on quarterbacks a lot of the time. Like yeah. yeah. But anyway, I digress.
1: Yeah. is it so, one here's one last thing I will throw in there. Uh yeah. I, I liked Renner's analysis when it came to you know what Carson Palmer did in, in 2015, the year they went 13 and 3. Uh in a in, in the, and also how Tom Brady has has fared in the Bruce Arians' offense, too. The one key thing that I'll point out was Carson Palmer, his listed weight was 235. He's just a bigger quarterback than Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. who's 225. And Carson Palmer would hang in the pocket. At Buccaneer fans, you might remember Brad Johnson, the bull, the bull would hang in the pocket, right? He'd take the hit, stand in there, and deliver. And that's one thing Brady doesn't like to do. He does not like to get hit. To his credit, he stood in there and took the hit on – the 44-yard catch on third and 15 to Chris Godwin. At the same time, he saw the blitzer, 35, coming off the edge and, and kind of turned away and threw the ball, on, and it was underthrown on the Scotty Miller interception. So mm-hmm. uh, Carson Palmer, 10 pounds bigger. He would stick in the pocket, hang in there longer, and that's what kind of Bruce Aarons is used to, right? Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer. Pocket passers hanging in the pocket, and Brady will do that, but he's not going to do it probably as much as Arian wants him to, because he's a self-preservation at age
0: forty-three. And Carson Palmer was hurt a lot, so I mean, yes. you take Victor and Luck and like,
1: was hurt a lot, and Ben yeah. Roethlisberger has been dinged it, even though he's what two with two fifty or so. I mean, he's a big yeah.
0: boy. I mean, there are, there are so many. I mean, it's hard to know where to start sometimes when you get on Twitter after a Bucks game and you start to see the total misconception. I mean, Brady has played in the league for 21 years now. Like, he has been on national TV a million times. And people who cover this game for a living have no idea who he is as a quarterback. It boggles my mind, Scott, that they can watch Tom Brady play football and say, oh, he's this, or oh, he loves to dink and duck. This guy is leading the league (laughs) in attempts of 20 plus yards in the air down the field. Like, he is aggressive yeah. to a fault. Like, I don't yeah. understand. Just you know, ask and-
1: Randy Moss uh how how dink and dunk Tom Brady was.
0: Yeah. Like because right? Tom Brady knows when to check down and doesn't throw it into double coverage all the time, he's yeah. dink and dunk. But then when he does throw it deep and it and it gets picked off, everybody wants him to throw underneath him. Oh, yeah, this guy wide open underneath. Like yeah. Brady's getting greedy. It's like it's one or the other. Like, who right. is Brady to these people? And the other thing I can't I can't handle with the Brady narratives is. Brady isn't, it's Brady and Arians offense. Like, Is Brady a fit for Arians offense? It's just asking completely the wrong question. You and I have talked about this, Scott, and Mm -hmm. I have it written down as an article that I'll probably write at some point this season. So sneak peek for all the fans that are listening or watching this show. Brady is the quarterback that Arians needs, but we don't know whether he's the quarterback Arians wants right now. Arians has to decide to change some of the things that he does, but that doesn't have anything to do with Brady. That has to do with the nature of the NFL today. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. There's a reason why we haven't been talking about Bruce Arians in the Super Bowl before. And it's he's had – there are talented aspects of his offense, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. He's had tons of talented players almost everywhere he's gone. Cardinals teams yeah. were loaded. He had Andrew Luck. He had Ben Roethlisberger and all his weapons in Pittsburgh. He's well, had great talent. He, he knows how to get receivers and fit them into an offense and make it work. There's no doubt he has gifts as a, as a coach. But Mm -hmm. the problem is Arian's offense not becoming more modern. It doesn't matter who's running his offense. Everybody's like, Tom Brady's not a fit. Carson Palmer, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, all of those guys played worse in Bruce Arian's offense than Tom Brady has played this season. I'm not saying Tom Brady's been perfect, but I'm just saying – Tom Brady is closer to what Bruce Arians needs in his offense to be able to get past the point of being good and to be Mm -hmm. great. But the problem is Bruce Arians has to change what he's doing to be able to be more effective, not for Tom Brady, but just for success in the NFL. And that That wholesale changes, John. Tweaks, like a little innovative
1: tweaks, right? He's got to just just change a couple of little things. It's not scrap the entire offense or import the New England offense down here, I mean, guess what? The, the New England offense last year, Tom Brady doesn't want any part of that, okay? Where right. it was it was Julian Edelman and nobody else, Tom Brady doesn't want that. It's a big reason why he's right. down here in Tampa, okay? So it, it's it's not that, that oh, you know, it, Tom Brady needs needs the, the Patriots plays. No, because the Patriots offense, when, when, when Brady threw for 50 touchdowns and had Randy Moss catching 23 of them, was far yeah. different than the offense he played in last year in New England, right? So right. uh, um, I, I'm of the opinion that I would like to see what Tom Brady does uh, after a full 16-plus games this season mm-hmm. and a full off season. maybe something like OTAs, mini camps. Hopefully COVID after this winter will be long gone or we'll have vaccines or therapeutics or it will be yesterday's news at some point next year. I'd like to see what what they can do because the offseason is when you work on your game. And there's no game plan, right? right? It's where you it's where you really get to tinker with the playbook. Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and Clyde Christensen and Tom Moore and Tom Brady did not have the opportunity to do that until August, right? Okay, and we're still seeing the growing pains. Yep. And oh, and by the way, during these growing pains, you got a seven and five football team. Oh my God, John! I'm being so positive today. <laughs> Holy crap, man! There must be like silver linings behind me or something. Hey, we've Brady. ripped
0: plenty. We've ripped plenty. I, know, I don't though. think anybody can knock us for that. But
1: but Brady's thrown for 3,300 yards. He's completing nearly 65% of his passes. Right. You know, he's five he's got,
0: percentile points more than Jameis last season, by
1: yes, the way. Yes. He's got 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's on pace, like I said, for, you know, for what, 40. Uh, he's on pace for, for 37 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, right? And 4,400 right. yards. So, right. Yeah, let's just – not that not that I'm, I want to hit the fast-forward button. I want to see how the season plays out and see if this team can get hot and right. better and, and see if this bye week helps the coaches game plan better. And maybe they get hot in December, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe this team goes to the Super Bowl. But right. I want to see what happens in 2021 because I think that's the year that fans' expectations can get raised up.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I still think this group is so talented that they, I'm not ruling out them hitting their stride over the next month or so and working some things out. You know, do I, what I bet on them to win the super bowl right now? No, but I've talked about it before the nature of the NFC right now, Scott is just, I mean, it's just up in the air. Like there's just not a team that you're like, Oh man, like, The Packers look like the best team. I think the Bucs could beat the Packers. You know, it is about matchups. I've said that. I don't think the Bucs match up great with other teams, but we don't even know what's going on with Drew Brees right now. We don't know what his status is going to be. So there's just a lot up in the air. So I just want to see how the final month plays out. See who gets hot. We've had a different top team in the NFC almost every month. So I just think there's a lot to be determined before we say that. But I will say this. Here's why I think the offense can have more success moving forward. We've talked a lot about the fact that in first – Years Arians quarterbacks have done some things and struggled with some things. Brady has struggled less with those things than other quarterbacks before in Arians offense in their first years. Just look at Jameis last year as an example, and also also Carson Palmer. You know, but part of the thing that would help make this better for the Bucks offense. We've talked about these two things a good bit, but Mike Renner does a great job of pointing them out. Mm-hmm. Play action. Palmer utilized play action fakes on about 20% of his dropbacks in 2015. At the time, that was about league-wide average. Brady's been about 18.6% this year the league-wide average has gone up to 25.6 percent right so Brady is below what used to be a thing for the Arians offense but the league-wide average has gone up significantly so we're talking about they're way under the average seven percentile points under the average for play action Brady has been a monster on play action and just in play action in general the numbers are ridiculous I mean the league-wide yards per attempt on play action goes from 7.2 without it to 8.6 with it the average passer rating jumps by 10 points Even Brady has gone from 115 passer rating and 9.3 yards per attempt with play action this year to a 90.2 and 6.2 yards per attempt without it. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. he is putting up unbelievable numbers off play action, and they did it five times a game against the Chiefs. Like, they've done it in games where they haven't even run the football yet. They've done it on first down. (laughs) So what is this whole we have to establish to run? You've done it in every game that you've been struggling to run the football in, and you've hit big Mm -hmm. plays with it. So it just it doesn't make any sense. The other area that we got to talk about, Scott, first down. We've talked about how bad they've been on first down, yeah. but Mike does a great job of putting some numbers to it. The Bucks are one yeah, of the run-heaviest teams. Yeah, they're one of the run-heaviest teams on first downs. What did we just say about the Chiefs? 67%. That's what the number is for the Chiefs. That's what they're throwing it at right now. The Bucks are at 50.6% in the first 3 quarters of a game. So we're not skewing it with blowouts and and passing to catch right. just to catch up. The first 3 quarters, the Bucks are just not throwing it on first down enough. So it's making their passing game harder because they get into second and third and long and everybody can play more comfortable coverages. The whole success with the Chiefs was what? They were throwing the ball down the field because the the Bucks are in a single high coverage and they have this extra guy in the box. So we're going to throw it down the field on them in those downs. And when they get out of those looks, then we'll run it. They ran it more as the game went on. They had actually better success than we probably have talked about running the football because they were just in optimal box counts for those situations. Bucks have to change those two things. They could change those two things tomorrow. They have great play action plays. Just call more. They could literally, they could go out and pass on more first downs and be successful. So those two things could change. They flashed all those things at times this year. Just hasn't been enough to move the offense in the direction they need to go. I agree. Let's get to some questions, John. We got uh,
1: some great participation, great comments today. More comments than questions. We, you know, we we love the therapy session here. It's it's the the, the day after podcast, and that's what we're here for. You can hear
0: us venting it out right now. Yeah. these Celsius yeah. drinks might be helping give <laughs> right. us some energy.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, team of afflictions. Do you think the Bucks will take the bye week to self evaluate and create a more Brady friendly scheme featuring some more underneath crossers? quick passes, et cetera. It's interesting because I, I think, John, they've, been, they've incorporated over the last couple of weeks more mesh concepts, right? More crossing routes underneath. I've seen that where I didn't see that as much before. Um, maybe I wasn't looking for it, but it w- maybe it wasn't as obvious, but I've seen that now. So yes, I think that this playbook will continue to evolve. And, and I think that that you're going to see, uh, yeah, the, the bye week that, listen, if if the Bucs don't come out and and beat the Vikings and, and I think beat them soundly, then you can really hit the panic button. Oh yeah, we'll be
0: yeah, that's a must yeah, win game for
1: sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think I think they're going to beat the Vikings. They're going to have an extra week to take a look at them. We'll see who Dalvin Cook's status is for this weekend's game, and then if he's uh, certainly available for for the Bucks game uh, two weeks from now. But yeah, I I think that this offense is going to continue to evolve um, as and Brady is going to want to, to be more comfortable in it. Listen, the one thing, this goes back to the quarterback whisperer book that I read that, that Bruce Arians uh, wrote. It's about himself. It's an autobiography. And he loves getting the input from quarterbacks. He loves the collaboration. He is not a dictator that says, you will run these plays. Yeah, uh, I agree. And and Brady Brady will speak his mind. He is not a church mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will let you know what he wants to run. So I, I think that the bye week, There will will be some self scouting. John, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. And and I think too that play calling and play design are two different things. I think fans need to kind of understand that too. Like, I don't think the Bucs play calling has been a massive issue this season. Almost every team in the league, outside of like the Chiefs and maybe the 49ers, you know, will complain probably about play calling at times. Like, they disagree with this call. You know, I think that that's normal. I don't think play calling is the end of the world for the Bucks right now. They have enough talent and they have enough everything else going in their favor to be able to work with a, the occasional bad play call. Play design is where I think that they lose me. Play design goes back to conceptually how your offense is built. They aren't built with enough play action. They aren't built, you know, they are running the ball a ton on first down. Their run scheme, I've said, is very predictable. They're very simple in their run scheme. They're not, they don't offer a lot of things for defenses to think about, it's that's okay if you're built around the pass, which they are. But again, that requires passing more on early downs to lead to get defenses out of situations where they say, Oh, they're definitely going to run the ball. We can line up, we can stop the run on early downs. We know they're going to throw the ball on later downs. They just have to be more, they have to be less predictable in the way that they go about it. And it's okay that their scheme might be a little bit simpler. But there are ways that, that they design the offense right now in Tampa Bay that need to change and need to tweak and adapt in order to be at their peak success. Now, that doesn't mean that they they can't they aren't still going to do things that doesn't mean that they can't take shots down the field i've seen fans right. say you know stop taking shots down the field no you have to you yeah. take shots down the field that's still sure. part of what you do i mean the, brady is tied right now for the third most deep ball completions in the league and there's a decent chance that he is going to mo- have the most deep ball completions in the nfl by the time this season's done he's a couple behind kirk cut three behind kirk cousins and four behind aaron Rodgers. so we'll see obviously how they finish out the season but he's right. probably going to be one of the uh, best deep ball passers in terms of completions in the nfl right now and the in the the accuracy things fell apart just a little bit because of Miscommunications, and so you know, one of the things, and I see Terrence Davis asking about it. Yep. What do you think about Romo saying he saw the offense evolve yesterday? Yes, I get what Romo's saying, and I do think at times that that was definitely true. They also did some really weird things yesterday that I don't think worked at all. A couple times they went spread the field, empty set, and they had three tight ends on the field. I just maybe with OJ Howard, but with Anthony O'claire like I'm just not really sure what the yeah. strategy was there. I mean, that third down, the Cam break dropped, went through his hands. They've got yeah. three tight ends to the one side of the field, and they've got Leonard Fournette split out wide with Mike Evans in the slot to the right. I mean, just it's a weird, it's a bizarre personnel yeah. deployment, and, and nothing worked on the concepts right. either. And but John, we, we,
1: we've seen that too. We've seen Cameron Brait get put into position at, at, the, at the end of games running vertical routes. We saw that against yeah. the Bears. We saw that against the Rams. That yeah. led to two Tom Brady interceptions, and I love Cameron Brady. I don't want him in those situations that far down the field. That's not his right. – that's not where he's where he a winnable matchup.
0: Yeah, th- that's the the gripe I would have with left, which more than anything else is yes. – I don't always think his he deployment. understands – Right. Personnel deployment is important. You have to scout your players and put them in the best positions to succeed. When Leonard Fournette's getting two touches on your most important series of the game on first and goal from the five, you know, you've misused your personality. You've, you haven't self-scouted your guys, your own guys well enough to achieve the type of success you need to. So Romo's saying the offense needs to evolve. He's talking about it from a schematic standpoint. My issues with left foot are more from a personnel standpoint, but schematically, yeah, I think Arian's or Romo's right. They've there's been flashes of that throughout most games this season. So there's there's good things. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, I think that they've moved towards some good things. It's been slow and it hasn't been consistent. And so that's where you kind of have to say, okay, like but again, five play action passes, that's one of the lowest marks of the season yesterday. Like that could have been way more effective for them. Right. And I know motion has been a big conversation and I saw some people mentioning motion. Mm-hmm. I know Dan Orlovsky has talked a lot about motion. You know, the I would like to differentiate the two types of motion. So the Bucks do a lot of motion before the snap to identify coverages. I think the Romo even yesterday in the broadcast was saying, "Here's a motion." Finally, you know, later in the game, I don't think that was the first one in that game. And also, the Bucks do plenty of motion to identify coverage before the snap. A lot of the time, it is kind of a tell for defenses. Okay, they could be passing the ball here and not running the ball. Yeah. It's a pretty strong indicator of that, and so it helps prepare them a little bit too. There is some give and take to motion. I. I the bucks are, you know, motion before the snap, I still like it because I, I think even if teams know you're going to pass, you can still be really effective at it. Not right. so much with running the ball. So I think that that's still important, but I also right. think, I also think that motion at the snap is a different thing that unlike play action and passing more on first down is not simply something you can just put in the offense right now, or maybe over the off season, that can be something yeah. they use more. I would like to see that, but it's, difficult to ask that it's such a timing based and concept based thing that I think you're going to have to work on that in the offseason If you want motion at the snap to be a part of what they do. Right.
1: And it's interesting, right? Because we can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit where you can read mm. between the lines and, you know, Tony Romo probably had a conversation with Tom Brady, right? I mean that I would assume, and I'm <laughs> making a assumption here. That's how Brady works. When he wants something out, he doesn't come out and say it right. He's, he can be very brief in his press conferences and very general, and not very specific, John. We've seen that firsthand on these Zoom calls. But I'm guessing that that the information that Tony Romo uh, got about Tom Brady probably came from a good source, right? And, <laughs> um, and so I, I, we heard Romo kind of state that case over and over again. Hey, Brady would like to have some more motion. So I went and asked uh, Bruce Arians point blank today. Um, if Tom Brady has specifically asked for more motion in the offense to help right. determine coverage. And and Brady, uh, or I should say Arian, said, that's the motion we use. We do it as much as he wants. So right. somebody's not somebody's not telling the truth is what I'm yeah. thinking
0: here. Well, I uh, think I, maybe, based maybe
1: on – Maybe worked could that during the bye week.
0: Right, maybe. I, I don't think the Patriots had a ton of motion at the snap unless I'm forgetting something. And they had lots of pre-snap motion, but – Um, so I'm not sure, I don't know what the exact disconnect would be there, but I think he's probably right in saying that a lot of older quarterbacks don't like a lot of motion at the snap. I think it took Ben Roethlisberger a long time to come around to it in Pittsburgh. Um, he mentioned Peyton Manning.
1: I like the pre-snap motion because it gives you that clue. Are they in man or zone? It's just,
0: right. I yeah, like that. Right. And I like the motion at the snap because I think it gives you some easy completions. You know, I think sure. that that's a benefit of it. Um, and I we've seen the that with movement. offenses. They use it. Right. But it like I said, it takes uh, you have to put it in in the offseason. Like it's a yeah. lot. Uh, it's timing and it's a lot it's of timing. rhythm stuff. And so it's it's it would be a big change uh, for their group. Uh,
1: Downing down this up for you, William Rankins, uh, when are we going to bench Donovan Smith? That we look much different without him. Um, I, I'm going to start off by saying. It's not going to happen this year. Donovan Smith is your left tackle as long as he has two legs and, and can and can get on the field. Take it away, John.
0: I've become the Donovan Smith defender for by default. I think um, in Bucks Media, maybe I don't know. There's a lot of Bucks Media people that don't say anything, uh, and then there's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mark, Mark. Mark's not a big Donovan Smith guy, but he did come on and defend him yesterday on the show. Yeah, he so did. Um, he did. you know, I mean, Donovan Smith is uh, probably about an average uh, starting left tackle in the NFL. He plays well for a lot of a game, and then he has a couple moments that technique just technique lapses get him killed and it looks yeah. bad. And fans really only notice offensive linemen when they have a bad play. And so because of that, he's gained a reputation for um for some things that fairly, you know, that for being a little bit sloppy technically. If that's fair for for laziness and bad effort, that's not fair, and that's not true about Donovan Smith. And so right. you know, we just need to kind of differentiate that. I do I do hate when fans get on Twitter and tag them, like every time there's a play posted somewhere that I mean, just go after them. It's just ridiculous. Well, like it, it shouldn't happen. Hopefully nobody in here does that.
1: They're, they're, expe- they're expecting like the Secret Service, right? Where you you can't make any mistakes, right? Like one mistake and it could be fatal, right? If you're the secret yeah. service. And and I get that, but nobody's perfect on the offensive line on on any offensive line. And
0: what do we really think Donovan Smith's like, is he, we going to list him as the problem for this offense this year? I mean, come on. Like it just like, and
1: and he's an absolute gamer. He deserves credit for going out there and and playing pretty well, especially with with a a bad wheel. So we've got Chris who says, how do you think that Khalil Davis played in his first game? I feel I saw him make some impact when I saw him in and I would agree. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I, I've kind of been curious as to why he hasn't received a handful of snaps here and there, especially when you got an older guy like, like Indama Um Maybe give him a play or two off here and there and, and, and feed Khalil Davis seven to eight snaps per game just to get his feet wet. I mean, here we are. We're into December now uh, as of tomorrow, and Khalil Davis, who I thought flashed during training camp, obviously no preseason. Uh, but we haven't seen him uh in 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 the yeah. action and <laughs> yeah you know and 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 going forward, I don't know that domicus who's gonna be in Tampa next year so you're gonna need some defensive tackles uh to you know to to rally for this team and and step in there and and you, you're not going to know if Khalil davis can can be an answer or part of the answer because you haven't played him so maybe mm-hmm. he does get some more snaps here down the stretch John what do you think
0: yeah no I mean it's definitely a possibility you know i I really need to look at Khalil Davis on the All-22 to get a better idea how his one-on-one matchups went. Um Pro Football Focus graded him fairly poorly, but again, he didn't, didn't play like a ton of snaps, and he had some good pass rush. Yeah, I think his pass rush grade was a little bit higher than his run defense grade, which is Probably really what they need from. Him. I think most of his plays came on passing downs, if I'm remembering right. So it's probably the larger sample size goes in that favor. So um, I just need to kind of see him exclusively. Focus on him. Hard to see some of those things from the broadcast. But when I did notice on the broadcast, I thought he was good. I mean, he got one or two pressures um in the game, and, and looked like he was a little bit disruptive. So I'm hoping that if this week that I can get a look at those twenty some snaps and maybe have something written up on him for the bye week, just kind of breaking down how he did. Um, because, yeah, I think that there's potential there. And like you said, they need to look at options, and that's really what yep. playing him was about. It was about can we find another option in passing downs because we really need that, and, and he might be ready. Douglas, <laughs> is this a John and Scott venting pod PR? Is this a Q&A? Answer the question and move on to the next. Fans want answers. I heard all this from you two last night. Well, thanks, Doug. We appreciate you jumping on the show. Okay, well, um,
1: here's your question, Douglas. Can you <laughs> ask Brady why he isn't asking for more motion? Yes, if he stays at the podium long enough, we will. I believe he answered, uh, questions from three people last night, maybe four. Before uh, saying that's a wrap, folks. Jenna, Jenna Lane asked the the question about the the possible coaching Tom Brady rift, and and uh, you know, and and Tom said thank you, good night, you know. And uh, so yeah, if he stays there, uh, I'll, I'll let you know something here. We typically get this is just some inside poker here for you <laughs> Buccaneer fans. We typically get two questions when we're called on, when we ask most players and and Bruce Arians. So that's why you hear Rick Stroud, myself, John Ledyard, Mark Cook, Greg Allman, Jenna Lane, whoever it is, we get a chance to ask two questions during our time because that's our opportunity for a follow-up too. If we didn't like the answer or if we wanted to expand on something that that coach or the players say. With Tom Brady, we're allowed one question. I tried a couple weeks ago, John, to get three questions in, even two. (laughs) And Tom said, pick one. Right. So that's the rules that Tom Brady and the PR staff have. And we get typically no more than 10 minutes, which is is typically less than 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 other um, players. Some players will go 12 minutes with us. Uh, Brady is typically six to 10 minutes tops. And so, yes, when we talk to Tom next and it probably won't be it won't be this week because it's the bye week. We'll bookmark this and we'll ask him. Uh, yeah. how he feels about motion since that's kind of the the soup du jour
0: yeah so i i thought that was a great answer scott but apparently doug doesn't like that one either that's the comment you addressed he said so apparently he didn't want doug Need to sell doug you need a celsius man like get one of these therapeutic mondays being hard on doug he must <laughs> add he must add had the bucks when he was betting yeah. over well, But here's the problem
1: we're seeing a lot of comments the que- when 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 you're asking questions include the question mark that that helps us determine which question you're asking. Again, we've had a ton of comments today, and it's great. We love reading them. we posted some. If you have specific questions, we're here to answer them. So ask it with a question mark, and we'll come up with, with our answers. In the meantime, John, I think now would be a great time to segue right into Briar Greaves. That's
0: right. Uh, There are still some hurricanes forming in the Gulf and don't wait to renew, review your insurance policies. Call Briar Greaves insurance, which is family owned and has served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years for your home auto boat, life commercial and flood insurance needs. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling or not renewing policies, leaving Florida or increasing premiums significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for information on the best rates. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers and proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com or call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166 today. You switched over to Briar Greaves recently, Scott, I did. and you thrilled, wonderful results. Happy,
1: save some money, got great insurance rates and great coverage.
0: Can't recommend
1: them enough. So, uh if this is a personal testimonial. I tell you if they weren't my, my insurance company, but Mark Cook twisted my arm. Give them a call, man. They're supporting Peter Report. And so I said, okay, I'm going to call them. But, you know, if if they don't give me the, the good news that I want, I'm not necessarily going to uh, switch them just because they're an advertiser. But you know what, John? I called, talked to Briar, talked to Sam, and they, they presented me with the best rates and coverage, and I made it really easy for me to switch. There's There's no doubt about it. So okay, yeah. so let's let's have some rapid fire answers here as we round out the show. Uh, Terrence Davis, again, can the Bucks win a Super Bowl with the staff? John, what do you think?
0: Um, can they? Yes, I'm not ready to say will they. And I know that fans are going, oh, cop out. I'm not ready to say that we don't. We just don't know. There's too much that can change between now and next year. Four more uh, games I, too this year, I, right? And four more games this year. I wouldn't bet on them to win the Super Bowl this year, but I would have said that before the year too. I think think it's a lot harder. And Bruce Aaron said this, and I although I think a lot of time he's just spitting BS in his pressers. To be honest, um, I I literally think that he was spot on when he said it's not just about putting a bunch of names together. Like people yeah. don't understand. Like people look right. at it and they're just like, "Wow, it's a joke." Like, does Brady need more weapons? Like, it's not even about that. Like. Look at what the Colts do you know, with with nobody. They don't have anybody mm-hmm. receiver. You know what I mean? And so it's, yeah. it's about scheme. It's about that stuff coming together and timing and cohesion and all of that and stuff, and continuity. the Bucs just haven't had enough. Right. They're
1: not going to have continuity until next year. Can they win? Yes. Do I think they're going to? No. I think they need continuity. I think they need another year together. Uh, I think the secondary has got to continue to grow up and grow as players, and, and, uh, and I think that's mm-hmm. still an issue. Raymond P. says – how do you guys feel about Bruce Aarons' press conference? Too blunt, or needs to calm it down? Um, I like it. I, I like his. Press I don't conference. mind the bluntness.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just I, wish I, he told the truth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you're going to get coach speak from every coach, right? And certainly, an old grizzled uh, coach like Bruce Arians knows how to coach speak. He's had plenty of years to do it, right? And perfect.
0: It. But he's not even coach speak, Scott. He just like straight up makes stuff up. Like he literally said at the roughing the passer penalty at the end of the game, cost him three minutes and forty, or about three minutes and 40 seconds at the end of the game that yeah. was huge i still don't believe that was a penalty it's just not even true like it was like one minute and 41 seconds like yeah go to the i mean like i just don't know how you like how do you go in and just like three minutes and 40 seconds it's like no that is not right like Agreed. and so and you know we've seen them like oh you know the running backs didn't really drop any passes oh we dropped too many passes the next day yes. you know what i mean like it's like i you know it's coach They're, peak is kind of like being I, very I vague about is, the truth, almost. He I, just I
1: think what it is is this alternate facts. I think that's what yeah. he's presenting some alternate right. facts. Um, Buccaneer Bruce, my old uh, Kansas City guy, says, "Was Carlton Davis available to the media yesterday? No, he was not." And see, th- here's another inside poker thing: w- where COVID is really hurting us as journalists is we're not allowed in the locker room, and right. all of all of our access this year is is done through Zoom calls. We don't get any face to face with any players, coaches, front office people. Nothing. It's all done either over the phone. You get a one on one interview, or it's done via Zoom in kind of that group setting that you see after the game. So we don't get to pick and choose which players uh, we want and get. We're at the mercy of what the public relations staff gets us, and they do a fine job, uh, but we we can't pick and choose. And so, you know, in in a in, in any other year, we would have been over at Carlton Davis's locker huddled around them. What was it like defending Tyreek Hill, right? So I think this year, if you're looking for something that really favors the players, right. it's it's the media availability. Oh, and we never get open.
0: anybody up there who hasn't played well, unless it's Brady. Yes. You know, we always get the quarterback. So, but we exactly. never get any, you know, it's always, we had, well, after the Rams game, was it the yeah, the Rams game, more like three guys played well. And we got William Golston, Jordan yeah. Whitehead. And I forget, like, it was like the three, easily the three guys that anybody would have said, oh, they're the only yeah. guys that played well today. And the coaching set just... You know, the PR guys just picked them. So it's it's hard to get answers and stuff like that. Yeah, it sucks. Yep. Uh, let's let's go to another
1: one here. Uh, when will Cook appear next on the pod? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we hope to be today. Not today. Uh, yeah. He's yeah, not I usually on start. Wednesday, but it is a bye week. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we we'll try to get him on one.
1: Wednesday or Thursday. Uh,
0: yeah, we've got Mark Schofield coming on Wednesday yeah. as a guest and Greg Cassell coming on Thursday hey, folks, as a guest. We
1: need some more Super Chats if we're being honest here, right? Because all that money is going towards Mark Cook's webcam. <laughs> So we need his camera yeah, upgraded for yeah, bring exactly. him on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's go through here. Have we wrapped up our questions for today? uh there
0: was one that was a good one. Where uh okay We're Oh, are right. all three of BA Brady and Leftwich back next season for the Bucks? Yes, they're all gonna be yeah. back. I mean, yeah. like I said, the only way is if they like lose the last four games to teams with losing records and they all fall the offense just falls flat on its face in which case you know left which would be the only one i think that really would be in trouble but that's i just don't think that's going to happen like right. it's not like the bucks have been a bad team this year we gotta we gotta you know get away with that like they just lost two three-point games in a row i mean i know yeah. the chiefs game could have been worse but like to, to two of the better teams in the league i know that rams lost to the 49ers but the rams are good and they just have a hard time with the 49ers as a lot of teams do actually and so yeah. um yeah i i just think that uh yeah this is uh these two are going to be back and it's about making it work to the best that they can possibly make it. And like I said, that stuff is in their wheelhouse. They can do it. It's right. just a matter of, will they, they've migrated more that way under Brady than any quarterback before, you know, it's been, yeah. the stubbornness has been broken down more than before. It's not enough.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And there's still and a lot of it's, disjointed things it's between communication. It's going to change during the bye week a little bit. You're going to see some more tweaks and it's going to change even more. So in the off season, when they have plenty of time to digest the entire season, rewatch film and break things down and really collaborate because they didn't have that time this year. They just didn't. I mean, the the first time Bruce Arians and his staff and Tom Brady really collectively sat down together was, was in August, right? It wasn't in, in April or May or June or July. It was August and it was during a truncated training camp. So it's going to be better next year. It's good this year. That's the whole point. You're seven and five. You're yeah. you're you're on the verge of a playoff run. It's gonna be good this year. It's gonna be even better next year. So hang on, yeah, Bucks we'll, fans.
0: Raymond P wants to know if Jason lays retweeted any of my tweets during this one and three stretch. Uh <laughs> no, <he's>, <laughs> <laughs> he has done actually. Little, he's
1: been a little silent. Uh um, yeah, so, quiet um, on that front. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If the Chiefs would sort have of won, if the Bucks would sort of come back and won that game, though, no, oh yeah, you had some
1: ammunition for sure. Yeah, you would, you would have had some ammunition. <laughs> hey, that.
0: that's risky. You got to play. The, you got to play the game. You got to play on the edge, man. I, you know, yeah, I'm a big believer in it. All
1: right, so uh, here's here's the last one. We got to get out of here. Yeah, uh, Mylan asks. So, y'all think Tom Brady will be the same next year? He'll be 44 next season. You know, from
0: a physical standpoint, I haven't seen any slowdown. That's what um, I mean. Like, that's yeah. why I don't know why people ask all that. Like, you yeah. know, I get it because of the age, but. Tom Brady physically is fine as a quarterback. Yes. Like it's comfort in the offense. It's playing, yeah. under, it's knowing where pressure is coming from. It's being right. on the same page with receivers and Arm it's accuracy in situations there. where, yeah, we're a little bit yeah. unsure, but physically, yeah. he, mentally, he sharp.
1: Stretch. He had a stretch of of, of bad downfield passing. And yesterday, I thought by and large, uh, you yeah. know, he, he hit a, a, a decent amount of those. Of those yeah, four, uh, four for seven passes. on 20
0: plus yard throws, four yeah. for seven, and then one that went right past or through Evans' yeah. hands, you know. So, I mean, he was. You know that that little disruption there in the middle of the season. I, for the most se- most of the season, like I said, he's been a really good deep ball passer. Brady just-
1: loves to work. He loves the film room. He loves the practice field. He loves to practice. Tom Brady mm-hmm. is a perfectionist. Okay, he's not one of these guys. Let's just get to the game. No, he, like he treats every and, and you know the, the player that, that that reminds me of of Tom Brady from that perspective was Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp loved uh, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday as much as he did on Sunday. He just did. That's just right. how he was. He's wired that way. He loved the game of football. Tom Brady's the same way. So Tom Brady's going to love the OTAs, the mini camps, a full training camp, those preseason games that he didn't have the chance to really dive into with his coaching staff next year. And that's going to be exciting.
0: Yeah. Douglas says it wants us to know that it was a good show, even though he was spent a lot of it angry. It took us 40 minutes to get to the first. Doug, you weren't even here for the first 25 <laughs> right. minutes of the show. I don't even want to hear it.
1: And again, this has probably been 85 to 15% of comments versus questions. And we love we love you guys showing up. We love the you guys. The comments
0: are great. Yeah, The
1: comments have been fantastic. And, and we love some of the back and forth between you guys. This is a great Buccaneer fan community. And we it appreciate is. you guys being here for us every single time we, we throw out these Peter Report podcasts. The next one, John, is going to be Wednesday yep. and then Thursday. Hit those guests one more time just for the latecomers.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mark Schofield, the quarterback expert, has covered Tom Brady for years, grew up a Patriots fan, and has followed Tom Brady throughout his career and scouted him throughout his career. He's going to have tons of insight on Tom Brady on Wednesday's pod, 4 p.m. live. Uh, You do not want to miss that one. Mark has been a good friend of mine for years. He, I learned so much from him. Half the thing, you know, not half maybe, but some of the things you see me write about in Bucks briefing and in other areas and talk about on Twitter, I'm running to him and saying, Hey, am I seeing this right? Like he's an ex quarterback. He is way smarter than me. I'm like, Hey, am I seeing this right? Is this the situation I've learned a ton from him? Uh, so you're not going to want to miss that. And, and then, John
1: on Thursday, yes. we got Mr. Cosell. Cosell yes, coming on the Pewter report podcast.
0: A lot of people remember this summer on my Bucks briefing, I wrote about Mike Evans and, and Tom Brady and a bunch of skilled players for the Bucks offense, scouting them from last season and then moving kind of forward uh, to this season and how he might project them to go. And I got a ton of great insight from him. That was a phone interview with him. And now we're gonna have him on the podcast that dude it just has so much knowledge and insight and he's always willing to give you as much time as possible. I'm going to get everything I can out of him and try to ask him a bunch of good questions on Thursday, 4.00 PM. We'll be live and it's going to be a ton of fun. He's going to offer a lot of, a lot of good insight into how this offense uh, should, should um, should look moving forward and has looked this season should look moving forward and even into 2021. So it's going to be great stuff on the show. We're going to have a lot of fun. We appreciate you all. We appreciate the the super chats and the subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends and family. Spread the word about the Peter Report podcast. We are so close to hitting two K. Uh, d- uh, we we gotta. Oh, we... Drag lope dragon
1: Dragonlope coming in. For lope. with the super chat, wanting an extra sixty seconds. Just in my resignation letter, uh, ready to dial in for some December disappointment. Ha ha! This a one and done playoff team at best. Well, Dragonlope
0: we'll on a low we'll note. See. Come on,
1: <laughs> jeez. <laughs> we do appreciate the super chat though. Thank you very much.
0: Dragon Lopes always coming up clutch with the super chats and in the pot on a low note, but we got to, yep. we got to do it. So we appreciate y'all. We're excited to be back with y'all on Wednesday on the Pewter Report podcast. So uh, energized by our friends over at Celsius, get you one of these, get, drink up uh, on our day off and, uh, and uh, we'll see y'all on Wednesday in another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.